Welcome to the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Here we discuss your favorite movies of all time, as well as the ones that got away. We look at classic and iconic films from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan and that of the uncultured who's never seen it before until That's now. That's me. That's me. It's Justin this time. We're your hosts, Joe and Justin, here to act as your guides, playing the part of both the fellow enthusiast and the ignorant and uncultured, which again is Justin. <laughs> Let it be known. Today, <laughs> today we will be girding our loins oh. and talking about the 2006 film, The Devil Wears Prada. Man, how much fun was this? Justin, uh, this is your first time watching yeah. The Devil Wears Prada. How did that happen? Oh my God. Uh, I, I, I don't know how it happened. Uh, I imagine we'll get into it, but oh man. <laughs> you you can tell the product placement and uh you know the product the product logo shows up immediately um it's great it was just it was this a lot of fun most, i have some thoughts yeah it's the most 2006 movie of all time and i can't wait to get into it if someone ever asked me like really specifically like what was the year 2006 all about this is this is that film this is the time capsule holy holy moly the phones in this movie, I feel like phones come up as a pretty big theme in our podcast episodes so far, like obviously not with Gladiator, but definitely <laughs> with Scream. Yeah. Um, and the phones in this movie are just of a certain like very specific two to three year period right before smartphones became a thing. This was the height of the sidekick and T-Mobile, like just dominating. I wasn't even allowed to have a phone back then. So like you're you're going to have to educate me because she at one point in this movie she pulls out what looks like a like Star Trek torture device and yeah. she's like this is like the latest oh. and greatest phone from like <laughs> I thought this it was a sex toy. Miranda did. <laughs> it looks like a sex toy. It does. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh but yeah, so yeah, we're talking about The Devil Wears Prada. Indeed she does. Let's um Let's take a look. Let's take a look to 2006. And uh, yeah, let's look at this trailer. Miranda Priestley is the editor-in-chief of Runway. So you don't read Runway? No. Not to mention a legend. And before today, you'd never heard of me? No. You work a year for her, and you can get a job at any magazine you want. You have no style or sense of fashion. I, I... No, no. That wasn't a question. You got a job at a fashion magazine? Yeah. What was it, a phone interview? Who is that? Are we doing a before and after piece I don't know about? <laughs> In the world of high fashion. There you are, Emily. Actually, it's Andy. My name is Andy. A million girls would kill for this job. There's some reason that my coffee isn't here. Did she go to Rwanda for the beans or something? Where so much <laughs> is at stake. I need 10 or 15 skirts. The pie! The pie! Hello? Where are my eggs? Lingerie. She is vicious. Andy Sachs is about to discover. She hates me, Nigel. There's a way that you can help me. Little Chris go on some fishing line and we're in business. It's not just about what you wear. What do you think? <laughs> Andy, you look so chic. You look so thin. Do I? Just one stomach flew away from my gold weight. It's about who you are. Nate. I got it. Let me talk to her. No, 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 I'm leaving right now. Do you know why I hired you? I see a great deal of myself in you. The person whose calls you always take, that's the relationship you're in. Let me know when your whole life goes up in smoke. That means it's time for a promotion. People think that success just happens to you. It doesn't. 
You want this life? The decision's yours. The Devil Wears Prada. Wow. It's so strange to have the trailer guy's voice just say, the devil wears Prada like it's a cute little rom-com. It is not. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have several issues with this movie, and we'll get into it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so right out the gate, this is really uh, entertaining. And like we were hinting at at the top, it is such a time capsule of 2006. Um, I feel like... W- when did Sex in the City come off the air? When did like I think Sex in the City was like 98 to either 2004 or 2006. I don't know. I never watched it, but it's interesting you bring that up because I think a lot of people who worked on Sex in the City translated over to this movie. Okay. So, Joe, from what I read, first of all, I've seen way more Sex in the City than you have. That's crazy. You need to go I've back. I've never seen a full episode. You need to go back. It's fun. Um you can see a lot of that in this. Uh, this is, even though this is a post 9-11 world that we're living in, this the romanticism of New York City is alive and well in this movie. Um, it, it's the typical thing, right? It's the, uh, you know, shy girl from Midwest, middle, middle America wants to move to the city to be a what? A journalist. I want to be a writer. Of course. I want to be a writer. Women in film were only allowed to be like three things, uh, and journalist was one of them. It was the, the top 2000s. one, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If I if I knew more about New York or ever lived there, I'd I'd be able to catch all the references that they make in this movie because like they're constantly just going in and out of stores and restaurants, and her boyfriend works at famous restaurants and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just like reference, 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 reference to every single little spot in New York that she is constantly running around towards. It's very deep. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I've only been to New York like a couple times and not enough to like fully appreciate it. Um, So yeah, I I can see that there's just tons of references, tons of things, but um, Mm. I have some issues with this movie. (laughs) So many. Oh, there's certain bits that don't age well. You cannot, you could not make this movie in 2022, the year of our Lord. You can't do it. There's so many things, but um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was good. It was entertaining. Uh, It was not what I was expecting it to be. Uh, What were you expecting it to be? What was your, what were your thoughts going into this? So we'll get into it later. I don't want to spoil anything too soon. Um, I mm-hmm. didn't see the ending going that way. I thought it was going to be a little more uplifting, kind of like your typical, like, uh, change the course a little bit. Uh, you can change uh, people, but people don't change kind of thing. Um, mm. It didn't go out the way. I thought it'd be a little bit more, a little bit more like working girl, like, you know. Yeah, I thought it would be uh, a little bit Carly more Carly like Simon that. singing at the end. Yeah, I thought it would be a little bit more triumphant. Uh, instead... Uh, the world is left in shambles, apparently. But uh, on a high note, it ends on a high note. It's really weird. Um, it ends on a it ends on an optimistic question mark. Kind of does, yeah. Um, afterwards, my wife and I were talking about it. Um, she thought it was going to be more of um, like a my fair lady type of situation. Um, so which, your wife had never seen the, the devil movie either. No. So this was we had what? a real fun discussion afterwards. Um, but yeah, that was one of the main things that we pulled out from it. I, first of all, so I'd never seen my fair lady. I didn't get the reference. I didn't understand what she was saying. She's like, well, it's, uh, she tried to explain it to me and I was like, oh, it's, uh, she's all that. 
Exactly. So which is which is essentially my fair lady teen rom com, right? Correct. Um, so she thought it was going to go that way of like, you know, Miranda was going to hire a schlub because she can, kind of thing, and I'm going to change her. Uh, and I thought, you know, uh, this every girl was going to come in and like change the mind of the staunch old lady, you know, but uh, it didn't go that way. Oh, no, this is this is much more about uh, a battle of wills and giving people insight into the ins and outs of the fashion industry. It does continue the grand old line of movies where Anne Hathaway gets a uh, bold makeover, starting with Princess Diaries. Yeah, uh, and strolling right into Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so my my history with this film, I I first so this 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 movie came out in June of two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Um, I first saw the poster for this movie when I was with my soccer team on an away game during the <laughs> summer, and we were seeing the movie RV starring Robin Williams. Oh wow! Um, did you ever catch that one? I didn't Let's... see that one. I didn't see it. No, it is just okay. Um, <laughs> Weird, but that's that's for some reason my first memory of Devil Wears Prada is seeing that that one poster where like the the heel of her shoe is the the little pronged oh, yeah trident like on the white background yeah very stark yeah that is some stark very imagery. very minimalist posters yeah. Uh, it, it was based off a book, so I'm assuming people knew what to expect from this movie, but it seems like they they weren't uh, showing a lot uh, of the actual story yeah. uh, in their marketing campaigns. Which is which is neat. Um, it, it So based on that poster, right? Like you kind of get what it's going to be about. Like it's like a, it's a fashionable, fashionable like high heeled stiletto, but with like a devil pitch thing. Uh, pitch it's fashion for, baby it's fashion baby like you don't get it uh it could have easily been tied in could it have been a sequel to to 1997's bedazzled with brendan Fraser? maybe um i could have been that movie by is that. terrible that movie is insane <laughs> it's so good though um the movie could not be more different from this movie no so i mean there's that uh but yeah i remember seeing the intro of like you know based on the novel but whatever and uh ryan she was like oh man i didn't know it was a book she's a big book person so uh she might buy it and read it see how yeah we'll we'll get into it but this this movie's based on a novel by the former personal assistant of anna wintour so i'm sure in your research you picked up on the fact that like Miranda Priestley is maybe based off of Anna Winter, who is the current editor-in-chief of Vogue. Runway Ooh. is Vogue, yada, yada. Lots mm. of parallels there. Oh, boy. Um, and <laughs> the kind of the funniest note about the production of this movie is that it was constantly haunted by the small British figure of Anna Wintour because so many of the fashion industry workers that they consulted with this movie that they wanted to appear in this movie were constantly afraid of backlash from Anna really? Wintour. Oh yeah. Living up to the uh, characters. Yeah. Like just feeding because into it. They're, they're portraying Meryl Streep as the villain in this movie. 100%, uh, although yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. And if Who's she's the real supposed villain, to yeah. be, 
that's that's going to be my ultimate that's question the question i know i can't wait uh, i'll i'll let you do the plot description and then that's Ooh. the first thing i'm going to ask you <laughs> um but yeah uh production was haunted by anna wintour i think in recent years she's kind of like come around to it just because people love this movie so much she doesn't i doubt she wants to be seen as like clearly hating it <laughs> yeah um but i've seen this movie a million times mm. i love it uh it is endlessly quotable um we're we're gonna talk about the monologues we're gonna talk about the montages yeah um we're 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 probably gonna touch on <laughs> the the impact of this movie on gay man culture uh as well um, i'm curious I've... to know about all of this is sure like for sure because i obviously like i'm not like familiar with it so like i'd only like heard of it in the just the general zeitgeist that this is an there's, important movie and i want to know why there's a rather large subsection of gays who tend to really be drawn to slash worship um just powerhouse female performances in yeah. movies well yeah and this is just such a prime example. I mean, it's it's Meryl Streep, and it's arguably one of her best performances. She chews every line of dialogue. Oh. She eats up the scenery. She she came to play. She came to play. Every, every line in this movie, every word in this movie kind of changes how you feel about the scene. Uh, there's, some, there's some specific quotes uh, I want to get into. Mm. Um, Obviously, we got to talk about Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. Some blunt talk here. Pass Ooh. the blunt. Pass the um, blunt. Yes, I love that section. Welcome back to Pass the Blunt, Pass where we talk it. about Emily Blunt's role in Devil Wears Prada. This is our fifty-second <laughs> episode. Thing. Yep, it's the same thing every um, time. My first big Tucci movie too. Uh, I I really didn't uh, have much experience with Stanley Tucci before. Seeing I audibly said out loud, "The Tucci is in this," and I was oh, yeah. excited. I didn't expect him to be in it. I didn't know. He's he's great in this. Um, yeah. And then like another little like cultural touchstone uh, that kind of like cements Devil Wears Prada in a very uh late 2000s world for me is i was a huge fan of the office my whole family was <laughs> and i don't know if you watched it all the way through but like <laughs> season four yeah. there's an episode where uh michael's essentially watching devil wears prada for the first time oh yeah um and then he's he's treating pam as his Anne hathaway to his meryl streep he's throwing his coats at her um they have this whole bit where uh he finally gets to the end and realizes that meryl was the bad guy as if <laughs> yeah. like he didn't realize that the entire time it's and then so it good. ends it's it's one of my favorite office cold opens because it ends with him calling her manushka which she realizes is Ma- is it makushla makushla from million dollar baby million dollar baby he's like he's gonna try, try to kill, kill me. me it's so good yeah, that was my that okay. So my only familiarity with this movie was that poster that we talked about, and that mm. particular episode of The Office. That's I, it. <laughs> I quote, "You're not going to Paris," just as much as anything else from this movie. Even though that line is not is not in the movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Get me Armani on the phone. <laughs> Get me Armani <laughs> on the phone. I Pam's almost like you want a suit. <laughs> I almost grabbed that clip to throw in here too. I was going to throw it at the end of the trailer, but I don't want to. Do oh, that's great. Yeah. We'll we'll edit it in. No. Yeah. We'll um. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, let me let me throw some quick film stats at you, and then we're gonna we're gonna change it up this episode. I'm gonna give you two minutes to describe the plot so that oh we we can kind of get through the plot, and then we'll spend a little bit more time uh, just discussing yep. any element that we want afterwards. Let's do it. Um, so the Devil Wears Prada released in uh, June of 2006, based on the book by Lauren Weisberger. Uh, again, Anna Wintour's former assistant at Vogue. So obviously it was a big splash uh, when this came out. I think yeah. uh, they bought the rights to the screenplay before she had even finished the book just because everyone was so it's interested juicy. in this story. Yeah. Uh, so go Lauren. I want to um, know, directed- know what I want to know what Lauren's like, like reasoning for right. Like, was it like memoirs or something like, did she just get read? I think the, like, book is not a memoir it's definitely like these characters so she's like kind of portraying okay. this fictional world but uh it's it's very much implied to be about real uh based on that okay so this movie this movie either. could technically be based on true events based on true events every single bit of this is Love true it. you heard it, it here first mm-hmm um this movie was directed by david frankel um written by uh i want to i want to point this out written by eileen brosh mckenna who uh also created crazy ex-girlfriend on the cw i don't know if you ever saw that but it is very fun one of my favorites Mm -hmm. um devil wears prada stars anne hathaway meryl streep emily blunt stanley tucci Simon Baker and uh, Adrian Grenier, Grenier, Grenier uh, of Entourage fame. Yeah. Who I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, this film made $320 million at the box office. It was a bit of wow. a success. A bit. Um, My God. It was not. It was nominated for two Oscars. Really? Uh, so Meryl Streep mm-hmm. got a leading uh, actress Oscar. Uh, and then it was one of the rare contemporary costume Oscar nominations. Usually huh. when you get nominated for an Oscar for uh, costumes, it's for like something from the Elizabethan age yeah, or something some sort fantasy, of historical yeah. drama. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, but this just, it it had so much costumes. I don't think they could really ignore it. Um, so yeah. that's really probably where that's coming from. And all the clothes in this movie are just great. I, I, I love to look at them. Uh, there's and a lot. There's a lot of them. There, there sure is. This, this movie became one of the most expensively costumed films in history. Uh, there's about a million dollars worth of clothes used in this film. I was curious about that. Like these pieces that they're showing off, are they actual? Is this real couture that we're looking yeah. at? Wow. Yeah. Meryl okay. Streep's wearing Prada a lot of the time. Um, Anne Hathaway's wearing, uh, what is it called? Chanel and Calvin Klein, that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm guessing they were like loaned these products sure. uh, for the most part. And they just like couldn't drink red wine while they were wearing them because wow. then you can't believe really it. give it back or you something. Can't. Yeah. You break it, you buy it kind of thing. Yeah. I, I believe it. You, I'm I, yeah. I'm hoping they didn't break too many of these clothes. No. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's that's a bit of a primer on The it. Devil Wears Prada and Justin. I'm mm. going to set up two minutes. Okay. 
for you can we show it to tell me <laughs> can you can you prove it can you show it uh, to the folks at home you want me to you want me to yeah do this yeah and every so often give me the, the give me updates I'll, I'll i'll give you i'll give you 30 second updates okay oh thank you thank you every 30 seconds <laughs> yeah okay are you ready to give plot uh, description yes for the devil wears prada here we go all right do your best three okay. two one go Cool. So, all right. So we open on New York City. Everybody's getting ready for their day. Everyone's getting dressed up and in their in their Monday Monday morning best. Uh, little do we know that Andy, uh, play, portrayed by uh, Anne Hathaway, she's a little schlubby. She dresses she dresses for comfort, not for show, uh, as you see in the opening montage uh, number montage number one. Uh, shows up to her first day at uh, Runway Magazine. A job that she just landed somehow magically. I think uh, she was in the HR department. They brought her up. Ninety seconds. Like, Great. <laughs> so uh, she starts her job there, and she's like, "I don't think I'm going to fit in here because I don't. I'm not a skinny model." And Meryl Streep thinks so too. And she's like, "Who are you?" And she's like, "I'm Andy." And she's like, "Great. Uh, you suck. You're terrible. You're not going to work here." And she's like, "Well, man, I'm going to try my hardest." Uh, so what does she do? She tries her hardest. She gets help from the Tooch. She gets a, a new wardrobe. She starts to outshine Emily Blunt, who kind of shows her the ropes, but Emily Blunt is starting to be bad. One minute. Um, so, okay, uh, all her uh, her boyfriend and friends start to realize that, oh, no, she's turning into a terrible person. She's putting all of her life into her work. This isn't good, uh, but she's getting really good at her job. And then she goes to Paris, and Emily Blunt doesn't go to Paris. And then that's when there's a crisscross applesauce kind of thing that happens, a double cross uh, business-wise. And then um, uh, she realizes, I don't want to be this person anymore. And then she throws her phone into some fancy French uh, uh, water fountain. And then she actually gets the job that she wants to later. Uh, not before she sleeps with some random guy after they break. And it's all this thing. And then and then she lives happily ever after in, in New York City. The end. That was the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> wow. You did not even need the full two minutes. You did that in one minute and 40 seconds. Sweet. Um Mostly because you skipped over several major <laughs> plot points, but that's the main. That's the main bit. That's it. <laughs> you you got the beginning and the end. You 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 went to Paris at light speed. Um, but we'll we'll talk through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Justin, before we really yeah. get into kind of like our favorite moments and our notes about this, my my question right off the bat: who who is the villain of this movie? The villain. Think really hard. The villain really is uh uh eyebrows mcgee uh is it simon whatever his face is um whatever oh, he's talking about the blonde guy yeah the blonde guy you're talking the about the mentalist yes <laughs> the mentalist yeah you're right oh my god yeah him he's the bad guy uh he you know he did not heed when she said no like 16 times Oh yeah, that that's probably the most problematic uh, point of this film is her clearly saying that she's drunk, and then he continues to lure her into bed. Oh man, she, yeah, um, he, is uh, uh, the real villain is um, on the surface it's it's the mentalist, uh, but beneath the surface, the real the real villain underneath was um, was her was her boyfriend. He was he was whiny as hell he was whiny he didn't that's the answer you know i wanted i know (laughs) Uh, the whole time we're watching it ryan is getting increasingly agitated at him she's like tell them bye bye get out of here anne hathaway's boyfriend and her friend groups 
in general are on a mission from God to <laughs> not let her climb this corporate ladder. Um, so, so I'm at I'm at odds about this, right? Because at the beginning, mm-hmm. and even to like towards the middle of the the second act, um, she's still making fun of the job and knows that like I'm just going to do this temporarily, whatever. Uh, and all the friends. All of her friends, uh, you know, uh, Joanne from Rent is there. That one mm. guy from those two episodes when Pam is in New York from The Office is there. Uh, and like all of Mad Men, I think. Yeah. So uh, they're all on board that like, yeah, we get it. This sucks. Uh, you're still our Andy, our, our best friend, Andy. Um, but she starts to make a change and she starts staying late and she missed her boyfriend's birthday, which I get. But also, too, he was being a mopey little Little, little oh, punk. he's such a mopey little punk in this movie. And then, I think I think one of the one of the pieces of this film that does not age as well. I mean, obviously, we talked about the clear uh, sexual harassment uh, <laughs> and questionably <laughs> not not questionably very immoral uh, acts of the mentalist in this movie. Um, one of the one of the pieces that doesn't end as that doesn't uh, age as well in this film is how it ends where um, so about three quarters of the way through this movie, uh, Anne Hathaway's character, Andy and her boyfriend essentially go on a break. Um, She goes to Paris. She, she really finds herself. She gets the courage to step away from this job. I really thought Um, that they were going to pull a Ross and Rachel that like uh, we were on a break. I thought that was going to happen, but Oh, like he's he's been up. sleeping with other people the whole time. Yeah, or and she or she was going to tell him, and he was going to get mad. But there was only ten minutes left in the movie, so they didn't resolve it. But then the the, the bit that doesn't age as well is that it ends on a bit of a an optimistic high note of them maybe getting back together, even though she's clearly staying in New York and he's going he's going to, to Boston. Boston. Yeah, so like maybe they'll do long distance. I don't know, uh, but. <laughs> I I hate how it ends their their conversation. Uh, she tells him that he was right about everything. Oh uh, no, he sa- I, he I, tells I, her that she was right about everything. Oh no, oh no, oh, no. She uh, did I miss here? Tells him. Oh, she tells him he was right. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's what happens. He wasn't right about shit in this movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> I that's, want that's... <laughs> what I want. I want the sequel mm. immediately following up two weeks later. I want the fallout of everything that happened. Right. About uh, how like I want Andy her. Can't... I want Andy raising the bastard child of her one night stand in Paris. And she has to now live with Stanley Tucci because she broke up with her boyfriend. <laughs> who's now in Boston and oh, hilarity right, ensues. Dude. <laughs> such a different direction than I thought it was going to go. That's wow. the sequel I want. That's the sequel I want. The baby wears Prada. Yes. Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> That's it. I want the sequel that is her trying to work at the New Yorker or wherever she gets a job um, at the end of it and slowly going crazy because she realizes that she's an adrenaline junkie right now and nothing's really going to hit as mm-hmm. hard as Meryl Streep bossing her around the streets of New York. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um 
so this movie, like I said, was uh, a little bit haunted uh, during production by potential backlash from mm-hmm. Anna Wintour. So For sure. there were there were a lot of real people in the fashion industry who showed up, but then there were a lot of real people who didn't because they were afraid of being <laughs> essentially excommunicated from the pages <laughs> sure, of yeah. real life Vogue. Uh-huh. Um, so you've got like Heidi Klum in here. You have like some major fashion designers uh, and then you have... I don't know if you noticed, but Giselle Budgen, 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 Budgen. is uh, Emily Blunt's friend in this movie. Oh, that's right. I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And also, Klum, Heidi Klum's in this in a blink and you'll miss it when they're in Paris. Yeah. Right? She's there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heidi Klum's in here for like half a second uh, yep. when they're in that. Uh, I think it's montage number four of the film. <laughs> if, yeah. If you can count it as a montage of like them just meeting a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I love the arcs in this movie. Uh, I'm kind of skipping around with my uh, notes here, but this is such a great example of uh, a, a, <laughs> a workplace uh, arc where um, you, you not only have the physical makeover that Andy gets halfway through the movie. Once she starts like really doing good at her job and has the, kind of the conversation with with Tucci yeah. uh, about how doing good isn't enough. You mm-hmm. have to actually play the part. You have to yeah. play the game a little bit. Um, and her 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 rising star uh, is a bit of a star is born to Emily Blunt's falling star, even yeah. though Emily Blunt wants it so much more than she does. <laughs> they kept coming well, back she, to that because a million girls would kill for this job. They said that like a recurring six times. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, so many. Uh, and then you 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 kind of realize at the end that there's been kind of like some political machinations going on behind the scenes for these higher up jobs between Meryl Streep uh, and Stanley Tucci. There's mm-hmm. a there's a great betrayal uh, at the end there, um, and uh, it's 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 game of thrones esque for sure it's game of thrones esque and i love any combination of the the core four main characters let's call them uh stanley tucci and emily blunt don't get uh, much screen time together if at all Mm -hmm. but uh you could talk about emily blunt interacting with anne hathaway for days you could talk about the friendship that's formed between uh emily blunt not emily blunt sorry uh, between Anne Hathaway's character Andy and Nigel Stanley Tucci's character, mm-hmm. they kind of like become buds. Yep. Uh, as they grow together in this job, even though he's like the biggest bitch to her at the beginning. <laughs> it's so good though. <laughs> and then obviously you can talk about uh, the core relationship of this movie, which is between Miranda and Andy, mm-hmm. um, as she <laughs> goes from calling her the <laughs> what? What does she say? Like the 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 fat girl or something. Oh like yeah. Oh my God. Hire, hire the smart the, fat girl. Yeah. The fat shaming in this movie is unreal. <laughs> unreal. It's like throwing away her corn chowder. When they're like, <laughs> <laughs> Which first of all, that's such a weird choice. You're going to lunch oh, in the geez. cafeteria. You're going to get fucking crap. Uh, uh, corn chowder. What's wrong with we you? Could- we could spend a year talking about how insane her first day on the job is. Cause like all the way from arriving and her wearing like the, what are they? Doc Martens or yeah. just those really like clunky shoes 
all the way into like the cerulean monologue where yeah. she gets eviscerated yeah that's all one day um but yeah <laughs> um so so pretty much every uh pairing of actors in this movie is great it really uh, is. i always remember yeah. it for that and then pretty much every line in this movie is quotable i would say um you have like some of my favorites like are you wearing the Chanel boots? Yeah, I am. That's that's meme to hell and back uh, online right now. Yeah. Um, we we saw in the trailer. I'm just one stomach <laughs> flew away from my goal weight. God, that's where I was just where, like, oh, it's so bad. She's on a diet where she doesn't eat anything, and then when she feels like she's about to <laughs> faint, she eats a cube of cheese. cheese. So good. Oh, uh, a different time. Um, and then. Oh, there's the wonderful monologue where it's it's like her first month or so on the job. It's the coat and bag monologue where one of the things that uh, Meryl Streep says as she passes by the desk is, <laughs> find me that piece of paper I had in my hand yesterday morning. <laughs> it's so good. Everyone's head bosses like that, right? So like they're drawing parallels to these demanding, ridiculous, egomaniacal bosses, right? Mm. And you just, you learn to love and hate this woman at the same time. Oh, uh, she's, Meryl Streep is villainous in this movie. I think there's a bit of a redemption arc from her as we learn more and more about like her inner life and like what she's thinking and how uh, she has to be this character in order for this magazine to succeed. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But God, you cannot look away from her uh the uh, entire time she's on screen mm-hmm. um and she's she's obviously at the top of my list of uh favorite performances in this movie um and the the thing i want to single out is the the voice that she uses so mm-hmm. i i read that when they did the first uh it's not a screen test it's like the table read yeah, uh, yeah. for all these characters everyone's so nervous um because this is supposed to be like the most like domineering uh uh aggressive boss of all time so intimidating and so like anne hathaway and emily blunt and stanley tucci are there and they're reading their lines and then meryl streep comes out with like this this voice that's barely above a whisper which she she eventually called her clint eastwood voice like yeah she can be the most intimidating character of all time and the point is she she doesn't have to raise her voice because the power of her words is in what she's saying and what who she is and not how she's saying it Mm -hmm. um i believe it yeah and you you get the classic uh that's all that she she says all the time uh my favorite being when she just she calls her back into the room and then it's like five minutes of her slowly looking at her shoes (laughs) yeah it's just the (laughs) That's, That's all. all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my God, it's it's good. Uh, Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like she's commanding, you know, the respect of everyone in the room uh, just by being there. Period. Too right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm surprised they never came around to making like a prequel, like Miranda oh, wow. Priestly rise to Prada, rise to devilness, or something like that. Of, Miranda like... Priestly origins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd watch it this, to see her struggle and then how many people she had to squash along the way to get to where wow. she was. Yeah, I think there was there was maybe talks about a, a TV show coming out of the success of this movie, but that fell apart pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one note about the performances in this movie is that uh, 
Anne Hathaway for being the main character kind of get gets lost in the mix, at least for me, mm. um, just because she's surrounded by characters who are so heightened. You've got like Stanley Tucci, you've got Emily Blunt kind of having this breakout role, at least in America, yeah. uh, which she she got closer to an Oscar nomination, Emily Blunt, than you think um, she she got from like, this role globe, from this role. Yeah. Wow. Um, people really liked her in this movie and it obviously opened up uh, the doors for her to become the Emily Blunt that we know and that love we all know today. and love today. Yeah. The, the, the almost black widow that we know and love today. I know what, a, what a world it could have been. Right. Um, but yeah, like you need those kinds of characters for this. Well, so hold on. You need Anne Hathaway's character to go against these three powerhouses because she is our connection to the real world, right? She's mm. our connection to the. She's the grounding agent. So it's practically Alice in Wonderland in, in all of this. She's just given these insane tasks that she has to do, and it's like adapt or die. Yeah, but like, she's the connection to the audience of like, oh, I would, I would also fumble at first day at my job doing that too. Like, this is crazy. These people are insane. So, but yeah, you're you're right. She does kind of get overshadowed by these other livelier characters she she gets overshadowed even though she's doing some some great work i think uh especially you notice on like a rewatch uh uh i i i don't know anything about acting but i imagine it would take a lot to kind of be the anchor of a movie like this where so much is happening yeah and she has a lot of really fun comedic moments too one of my favorites is like when she she gets the task to get the Harry Potter manuscript and she Ooh. goes back to her desk and kind of like almost hyperventilates a little bit where she kind of has like a <laughs> <laughs> and then there's there's her running through Paris just going shit 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 on the way to try to uh, warn uh, Miranda about oh, the that's impending right. merger and leaving the her leaving the her shame behind from her one night stand <laughs> in Paris. <laughs> In Paris, yeah. It's the biggest smoky eye you've ever seen. Oh, uh, and then yeah. I, I I said it before, but I really love how her, the relationship between her character and Tushi's character develops into uh, from him <laughs> being introduced by walking into the room, immediately <laughs> talking that she, she ate the that? onion bagel. <laughs> yeah. Who is that? And then asking Miranda if they're doing a before and after piece that he doesn't know about. <laughs> Won't even acknowledge her existence. It's so good. Uh, one of the best things about this as an office uh, comedy is how everyone in the office immediately, well, how her coming into this office and everyone immediately knows that she's not important enough to not completely interrupt. He walks into her job interview and then immediately just starts talking to Meryl Streep about yeah. work, even yeah. though she's standing right there. Uh-huh. No one has time to be nice in this workplace, and it's amazing. Fashion, um, baby, it's fashion. Yeah what uh, what what are your thoughts? Uh, what were your uh, obviously uh, there were some some points that didn't age too well. In this movie. <laughs> yeah. What else surprised you here? Um. Well, really, you know the the power of performance for sure. Um, Stanley Tucci really does. A knockout job um being you know the f- the friend mentor uh taking her under his wing 
you know, un, you know, uh, behind closed doors kind of thing. The her secret weapon, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, he becomes I, her her fairy godmother a bit in this world. Definitely. Um, I don't proclaim to be a fashionista, nor do I, you know, uh, strive to be one. So I'm sure there's a ton of stuff that I just can't and couldn't appreciate for the things that just get thrown out, uh, the couture and the going to Paris and all this stuff and whatever, and meeting the people and doing the thing and name dropping. Mm. Um, but yeah, like this is a, this is a character study for sure. It's uh, it's a descent into madness. It is a descent into a, a now dead uh, mentality of uh, hustle culture, which I find hustle culture size zero culture so bad palm pilot culture. It's bad. Like I would be curious to see how short this movie would be if it were made in 2022, right? Like the person shows up and gets immediately eviscerated and be like, "I don't need this." The end. I quit. There's 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 an interesting through line between this movie and uh oceans eight i don't know if you ever saw that also that starring in hathaway no that's the one with all women so sandra uh, bullock okay yeah that's um right. so part of that movie is them well the, the main heist in that movie is they're stealing from the met gala mm-hmm. um and so the met gala is thrown uh by vogue by anna wintour um google her um and so <laughs> she's she's obviously known as this dragon lady uh especially after this movie came out uh because as we can see in this movie she kind of has to be uh in order to succeed and be the the biggest figurehead in this industry yep. um but in that movie uh she does cameo a little bit and they specifically put in a scene where her her personal assistant kind of has to like dip her head in and uh, interrupt her in a call or say that like someone's waiting out in the office and she's so nice to her. It's just like, it's the easiest interaction of all time. Yeah. To the point where in the movie theater, I clocked it immediately. I was like, they're, they're trying to make up for devil wears Prada. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're trying too hard, but everyone was in on it. Everyone knows what they're doing. The, the ripples from this movie are insane. Yeah. I bet. Um, But yeah, I did not see the ending coming uh that way i thought originally seeing how the story is starting to progress and how the um the the chips are starting to fall i thought for sure as soon as um miranda starts to bear her soul literally in front of uh andy in the her her paris room apartment whatever i was like oh okay here it is this is the the game-changing moment this is the, um, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be this to my children. And Anne Hathaway was going to be like, you don't have to be. I don't want to turn out like you either. Let's do this together. And I thought they were going to be best friends and they were going to change the fashion industry and change the work culture and all this kind of stuff. And then she wasn't going to sleep with what's his face and everything was going to be fine. And then it took a left turn of like, <laughs> I'm bearing my soul to you, but, um, Anyway, that's it. See you later. Uh, and then it just it goes in this weird direction, uh, and then it gets political the next day, and then she quits. So it was a really weird, like last twenty minutes of the movie that I didn't see coming. So like I, I appreciated that because it didn't feed into what I thought it was going to happen. But it's a weird ending for sure. 
Well, there's there's kind of a fun little undercurrent of Stockholm syndrome uh, beneath this movie because Ooh, yeah. as the movie progresses, you can see how all of the people who work with Miranda start to just respect and even love her uh, despite being treated like actual shit by her <laughs> just because they they all either want to be her or they they want at least just like one tiny glimmer of a look from her uh, mm-hmm. for doing a good job. Uh, and so you can see, especially in that scene where she kind of uh, lets her guard down uh, mentally and physically, she, ha- she doesn't have any makeup on in that scene. You can see how much uh, Andy kind of cares for her at that point, yeah. which is which is kind of crazy. Um, but I think I think what we're what we're circling around, and if we if we think about the theme of this podcast, like what what has really stuck this yeah. movie firmly in the culture for me, mm-hmm. uh, is this this is a movie with performances that have lasted uh, and that have really made impacts in what people think of when they think of uh, good acting performances and especially like good uh, monologues. Uh, I think of this movie a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's, have you ever, have you ever watched the, the Oscars at all when they're giving out awards for like acting and stuff? No. So you'll, they'll, they'll have like five nominees or so and they'll, in a normal broadcast, uh, the Oscars these days are kind of insane. But in a normal broadcast, they'll have like uh, a clip of whatever movie that they're nominated in. That's kind of like their Oscars clip. Um, and it shows them just acting their chops off, you know. Sure. Uh, and so you get to kind of like see all these people's clips uh, up against each other. Um, and this movie was just like built for Oscar clips. Um, so oh, yeah. I... I Again, I think I think Anne Hathaway is a little bit left out uh, in this way, but the other three members of the main cast have very specific moments that are just like I don't want to say like awards bait, but like uh, there's just, there's just so much to grab onto and just chew on yeah. uh, in these moments that they have, and and Meryl Streep actually has a few of them, um, and I I. I I kind of made note of all of them in my uh, monologue (laughs) section of my notes. So obviously um, with Meryl Streep, you have the moment on, on Andy's first day where she gives the famous uh, Cerulean monologue, which is probably the, the single most lasting bit of uh, this movie that just has the most effect uh, within the culture at large. Um, you watch this movie, you're going to know exactly what Cerulean is. You watch that monologue and you immediately, uh, it's, it's, it's a brilliant piece of writing because you immediately, uh, know how the fashion industry works or at the very least you have a pretty great introduction into how the fashion industry works. Uh, it explains why the fashion industry is important because it fuels how we express ourselves uh, yeah. in our everyday lives. It explains why. Andy's job in particular is important on this first day where she's kind of doubting herself and wondering why she's even there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, also kind of just the ultimate smackdown of Andy in a moment where she commits this faux pas, uh, in the middle of this movie. Uh, and just as a, 
a a movie scene that is being filmed with a camera it's kind of an amazing uh work of just like suspense and dread as <laughs> there's like a bit of a pause after um she she does her first little like giggle uh during oh, yeah. the movie <laughs> uh-huh. where she she doesn't necessarily notice at first that they're all staring at her and then she looks up and her face just drops and then eventually like emily blunts in the background and she's realizing what's happening and she's just smiling the entire time watching andy get dressed down uh the <laughs> the composition of the scene is kind of amazing and then obviously the 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 monologue itself this is <laughs> this is when i talk about like how this movie has such an impact on gay culture there's there's a few examples online of like uh, <laughs> drag queens performing a show and then they're just dancing and then all of a sudden the music will change to like this monologue and they'll just <laughs> now, they'll they'll <laughs> voice the entire thing the same way that they would like do an actual song uh-huh. uh, and it's amazing and they'll act it out. Um, uh, I'll I'll send you a link. It's, I would it's, love to see that. That's great. amazing. <laughs> um. Uh, and then obviously you have uh, Streep's monologue uh, about the divorce, which again is so symbolic in the way that she's not wearing makeup. She kind mm-hmm. of has her guard down, uh, showing how her relationship with Andy has grown. Uh, and then even in that uh, small moment, like every every word that the writers chose just has some meaning. I love when she says... She's like talking about how Rupert Murdoch should cut her a check. And then she says like another Mr. Priestley down the drain. Priestley yeah. obviously being her last yeah. name and not her husband's genius. Um, it's, it's so great. And it, every, every sentence is kind of used to give some deeper insight into her character. Uh, and it feels so natural coming out of her. Um, and then you have Tucci's monologue uh, when <laughs> I think it's uh, after Anne Hathaway's character uh, fails to get Streep home from Miami during the hurricane because she, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she, she can't charter a jet. No. Nope. Um, Can so I do that? <laughs> she She's told that she's a disappointment. She goes and kind of like starts crying in Stanley Tucci's office. And Stanley Tucci just immediately has no sympathy for her. None. And then he he kind of uh jokes around a little bit how about how she's expecting a gold star when she's really uh uh she doesn't really believe in what the work is yeah and then that uh extends into this this scene of him talking about like what the actual magazine is it's more than just pieces of paper and what it stands for for so many people out there who may not uh fit in as much as andy might have in her own life um, that's a great moment. And then, uh, I, 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 I say blunt was kind of like circling the awards drain, uh, during this whole movie. I think it was just a great breakout performance, uh, for her, uh, when it probably didn't, the role probably didn't require her to be as, uh, watchable as yeah. she was. She, yeah. She kind of just had to be bitchy, but like, uh, she's still she's, charming. She's, She's one of the best parts of any scenes that she's in. And then she she has the part. One of her last scenes is her in the hospital after she gets hit with a taxi. Just <laughs> going to then, town on pudding and bread. You eat carbs, for God's sake. You eat the bread. You eat carbs. You sold your soul when you first put on that pair of Jimmy Chews. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. 
Poor, poor Emily Blunt. Yeah, just got wrecked by poor. that car. I didn't see that coming either. That was amazing. I've I've seen people do just like close readings of how she opens the pudding cup in that scene and then just starts scooping it out. It's amazing, like some of the choices that she's making there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to go back. I want to go back and touch on the um, the 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 Tucci chat, toot chat, uh, that she, that he has with her in his office. Um, there's some real good gems in there. Um, mm. You know, about like really putting your best foot forward and try. It's it's really just like, you're not even trying. You got to try your best. Um, he explains to her what it means to even try her best because she yeah. thinks that she is trying her best. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is you have to believe in the culture or believe in the person that you're working with or the people that you work with. I mean, and there's some the very least know why they're important and yeah. not kind of treat them as a side gig on your way towards journalism. <laughs> Capital J journalism. Um, journalism. So like the real message goes completely over her head and she's like, I know I'm going to just camouflage myself and just fit in and keep trying in. and yeah, and just do it. Uh, and then she starts to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit. And that's when the turn starts to happen for for Anne Hathaway's character. That's when she starts to stay late. That's when she starts to go way above and beyond, uh, betraying her friends, betraying her uh, her boyfriend. Uh, she even, I will, even I will just hear no defense of the friends and boyfriends. I'm sorry. You, you can be uh, on that side of the river. I am not. Like, I want to see the reconciliation between her and uh, uh, Chick from Rent. Like, when they're at the art show and she's like, who the hell was that? Like, I yeah. want her to hang out with Emily Blunt out, out of the office. Yeah. But then like coming back together, she'll come back to her friend and be like, yeah, I quit that job. Yeah. Not a big deal. And, uh, oh yeah, that other guy don't, uh, I mean, I, I did sleep with him in Paris, but like, it's not even a big deal. We were on a break. So like I freaking bagged him. <laughs> I bagged, <laughs> bagged me a good one. <laughs> then I left. <laughs> then I bounced. <laughs> I bagged and bounced. Oh my god! But um, but yeah, I, I out of all the monologues, yeah, I um, basically what they're explaining is that like this is a marketing machine. People dress the way that they dress because we tell them to. The marketing or the uh, the fashion industry is the way it is because we make it so. Um, mm. Which is you know a weird capitalistic interesting take on it. Um, but out of all the monologues, yeah, for sure. The, the Stanley Tucci one, I think is really powerful. And there's some good stuff in there about like how to even go about your daily life, about just work and putting your, um, you know, your brave face on and doing the work and doing the hard stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, the ending monologue of the, 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 the facade is down. The guard is down. This is the real person. I mean, and like, and it got me, I was like, Ooh, here's the change. Here's the change. Here's the turn. And then, really nope, imme immediately, uh, you know, the, the, the guard comes back up and the steel, you know, face comes back on and she's just back to business. You can tell, like, she's hand, she, Andy hands her the book or hands her the whatever. And you can tell that she's tired. She's tired of doing the job. Even when she's at her house, when she hands her the book, right? You can tell she's tired. Um, Meryl's Meryl's in it till the bitter end, uh, Miranda in this movie, yeah. and the the real turn at the end of this movie, the big third act, is that she's kind of 
inviting uh, Anne Hathaway's character to come with her. <laughs> yeah, come to the dark side. Yeah, <laughs> come, come, be like me. Uh, and that's where the the big choice comes into play, which she eventually says no to and throws her phone into the uh, fountain, committing one of several felonies that Anne Hathaway commits. Is that a felony? <laughs> oh, I. I would guess um, she's littering <laughs> in Paris. Yeah. She's going to get extradited from the country. Yeah. Just fucking um, up left and right, man. Yeah. I, so I like one... to imagine right after that scene, she got tackled by like three security guards <laughs> up that fountain immediately. I want to, I want to know what is the read? What is your, what, what is your read on the end, the ending scene where Andy's across the street. She's doing her own thing. She's happy. She's dressed better than she was in the beginning but not mm -hmm. back to her you know top tier where she was when she was working at, at runway she sees meryl across the street and she gives her one of these like like sup remember remember me we're still friends um but meryl's just like looks at her and then puts on her sunglasses and then drives away but she gives a little smirk to the camera quietly what does that mean joe there's there's several things happening in that scene um First off, uh, yeah, you have the moment where Andy uh, waves at Miranda. Miranda obviously has to maintain some level of decorum. She 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 can't be openly uh, expressive here because no. uh, this girl like quit on her and abandoned her in Paris. Hell no. Um, I think the important moments of that scene are the fact that it shows Andy. Anne Hathaway's character no longer necessarily needs uh, Miranda's approval in order to continue on with her life. She kind of yeah. gives a shrug uh, and a smile and uh, walks down the street into her next job. And then what you see then is that Miranda is seeing her doing all this. And then she gives a little smile of her own. And how I interpret that is Miranda seeing Yes, this girl turned down my offer of uh, basically being me. But what she's doing instead is taking uh, everything that was good about her coming into this job, taking everything that's good that she learned during this job and kind of combining that into something that's better than all of us altogether and going yeah. out into the world and being a power of her own. And so you, you see... <laughs> You see Miranda's little smirk at the end, and she's like, yeah, I played a part in that. And then, of course, the scene ends with one of the funniest moments of the film where she just looks at the driver and says, go. Because <laughs> he's good. just been waiting there the entire time. He's Yeah, I want to see the shot. He's looking up at the rearview mirror like, who's she smiling at? What's going on? She's having a moment, and then she rolls her eyes, and they just drive off, and then the movie's over. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was abrupt. Yeah, oh, that's great. It is good. Um, yeah, I was curious to see what you thought. Um, what the, what is that? What does her smile even actually mean? So I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, she she had a hand in it. Yeah, this is a movie about growth and uh, who wants to accept it versus not. Hmm. Um, any final thoughts on the movie before uh, we we jump into the little game I have for you? Um, I mean, we talked about the montages in addition to the monologues. I would be remiss if we did not mention the Vogue uh montage <laughs> which is I'm, let's let's hit incredible. it let's talk about it yeah yeah yeah. Uh, like and that's after the show right and they're kind of just walking around shaking hands with everybody no, no oh no, no 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 i mean vogue by madonna which oh, is a song that, that plays one yeah when 
she kind of has like the it's right after her makeover and it's it's such a fun little bit of camera work because oh that's right where she's changing outfits constantly. special effects during this movie basically hardly um, any yeah it's just quick camera changes and no it uh, i thought that one was really clever it was really smart to like it's really fun. did she pay for all those or was she was was the tooch just giving her them for free under the table there's several things that are confusing about this movie the two largest ones being how did andy get a first interview at the personal assistant to the editor of runway job Mm -hmm. just from like a temp agency and then two is where is she getting all these outfits that she could just wear out i think the implication is that she's the the closet is kind of just open for all of them and Mm -hmm. she has like an in uh, and so she can kind of just try on whatever she wants it, she's it a, is very confusing. But she's a size six, which apparently is humongous. She's which, a four at the end, which uh, is gross. gross. It's gross, not growth. <laughs> I hated that. I like all the We love it for her. <laughs> Go girl. I <laughs> Yeah. Um Yeah, uh her her boyfriend's whiny. He deserved it. He's a chef. Like and he makes her grilled cheese he's with like fancy cheese. Like, <laughs> yeah, but now he's a sous chef, like, so good for him. There's growth. There's growth. He he makes sandwiches like in the bear or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's actual growth. You know, he was he's a line cook making grilled cheese. Now he's going back to Baston. He's he's gonna be a sous chef. Good for him. Um, Not at all. <laughs> cheat, he's gonna cheat on her in Boston. If they stay together, who knows? If uh, they stay together, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a stepdad. So, um, you know. So, Joe, <laughs> I want to know more. Just tell me a little bit more about like just the cultural impact of this movie. I know we touched on a couple things of it, but just like why is this movie important? Uh, this movie kind of gave a lot of people uh, their first glimpse into a fashion industry that was. A little bit cold and confusing for a lot of us and this one kind of lifted the rug uh for that uh and like i said uh so many of the the lines the the monologues the performances the inflections the way that people act in this movie uh have lived on through mm-hmm. the years people are still talking about it to this day um i i could i could pull up a million tweets right now from today that mentioned yeah. the devil wears Prada um, just because it's, it's, it's such a, a great example of smart snarkiness. Uh, I, I, I think the script is, is one of the best parts of this movie. Yeah. Um, just cause like I said, I, every line is quotable for a million different situations for sure. And it doesn't hurt if if you're you're gay when you're quoting them. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, I I get it, and uh, I I can see the the um the the lasting impact, and just you know the 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 just the powerhouse that is Meryl Streep just coming in and just commanding and carrying the shit out of this movie. Yeah, yeah, thought it was great. It was good. This was this was a good choice, Joe. This was a good choice. Uh- I'm glad you liked it. Um, and I, I am glad I got to introduce this to the entire household. Uh, yeah, you did. I, I, I want to know your wife's take on the movie. Did she like it better than you, you think? 
I think she she might have. I think she might have. Uh, I thought it was entertaining, and you know, we we talked about it, uh, uh, you know, for at least an hour or so afterwards before we went to bed. Oh was, wow! Yeah, it was good. It's a great movie. Uh, it was it was kind of billed as uh, a, a bit of a chick flick, uh, but I I think it's. It's lasting staying power has shown that it was uh, a lot more than whatever that uh, the definition for that type of movie was at the time. Mm, yeah. Um, Justin, I, I have a game for you. Okay. Uh, that is that is Devil Wears Prada themed. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm trying something different here uh, that you may hate. But <laughs> it's 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 less our typical trivia game and it's going to require a little bit more improv on your part um but roll with me here okay yeah so about halfway through the 2006 movie the devil wears prada starring anne hathaway and meryl streep Mm. um meryl streep's character is angry at anne hathaway's character because she she had one job and she completely fucked up dropping off the book at uh meryl streep's house she (laughs) went upstairs which is a huge no-no. Um, so Anne Hathaway goes into her office uh, expecting any amount of things. And Meryl Streep asks her to go get the new Harry Potter book, yeah. um, which again, such a 2006 movie. Um, they don't, they don't mention what Harry Potter book uh, we had to pa- we had to about, pause it we had to pause it and we were like okay what what book is it okay it was 2006 the year before uh uh Half-Blood Prince came out it's got to be Deathly Hallows and then you I see later I always thought it was Half-Blood Prince but I googled it today and it, it does have to be Deathly Hallows you can see when the girls are reading the books on the train you can pause it and you look and it says book seven so it's okay, like oh, okay it's, it's, it's Deathly Hallows uh-huh yeah so uh Anne Hathaway at first thinks that she can just go down to Barnes and Noble and get the book. Um, But then Meryl Streep is like, no, you fucking idiot. I want the unpublished manuscript (laughs) Manuscript for the new Harry Potter book that JK Rowling has just written. Possibly the most well-guarded, inaccessible book of all time. Yeah. Um, the, The last book in the Harry Potter series. Um, and she has about four, four or five four hours, hours to yeah. get it. Um, and I, I, I love that whole sequence. Uh, how I mean, the way she gets it is insane. Um, but I love uh, how she eventually ends up getting the book, making copies of the book to distribute to the twins on the train. Yeah. And uh, getting Miranda's Starbucks as a final touch. So here is the game I have for you. It is yeah. called, uh, it, it might be a recurring game on our podcast. We'll see. Okay. It's called How to Steal a Harry Potter Manuscript. <laughs> okay. Here are the rules. All right. The time, the year is uh, 2006. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So transport yourself back to 2006. Got it. You have one minute, and I'll put one minute on the clock, to explain how you would use the following items uh, slash people to steal the unpublished manuscript for Harry Potter in the death and the deathly hollows in the span of five hours. Oh my God. Do you understand so far? Yeah. So I'm going to give you three items. Okay. And you're going to have to tell me how you, you would use them Got it. to steal the manuscript. 
which for all we know exists in J.K. Rowling's house right now. Yeah. Because it's 2006. It's 2006. A, a literal castle. Your first item. Yep. $30 in cash. <laughs> $30 in cash. Got it. Your second item. The actual Starship Enterprise from Star Trek and all of the technology on board. <laughs> uh, Your third item. Yep. Mm-hmm. Third item. James Gandolfini's personal cell phone number. <laughs> Do you got all that? Yeah, so I have $30 in cash in my hand. I mm-hmm. have the keys to the actual Starship Enterprise and all the technology on board. Does we'll that say it's, the... parked, it's parked right outside. <laughs> it's parked um, on the roof. We yeah. will say that you, you have immediate access to it if you need it. Is the crew, are the crew involved? Are they included, um, or is it a big empty ship? The original series crew is involved, not Next Generation. Okay, the original. Okay, the OG series. So it's Kirk and, and okay, everybody. It's uh, William Shatner. It's Sh- it's Shatner. Okay, specifically Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Great. Uh, and then James Gandolfini's cell phone number or his cell phone. Like people are gonna <laughs> answer. <laughs> That'd be amazing. No, you have James Gandolfini's cell phone number cell phone circa number. 2006. I will leave it up to interpretation what your relationship with James Gandolfini is, though. Okay. Okay. Um, and I have a minute to come up with the plan on how I'm going to steal the manuscript to Harry Potter 7 yeah, from you have the a clutches of... <laughs> okay. No, you have to come up with the plan right now. You have a minute to tell me the plan. Yeah, I have a minute. Um, I have a minute to tell you the plan of how I would like, spend my five hours. Yeah. Would you like for us to put on our special hold music uh, to give you a chance to put your thoughts together? Or are you ready to go? Let's do a little bit of hold music. And then we'll, we're not going to go the whole time. But yeah, we'll put the, put the hold music on and then we'll come back. We'll be right back. Throw on that hold music. We're back uh, after several minutes. Um, <laughs> Justin has been Justin has been tasked with uh, stealing the manuscript, the unpublished Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, using thirty dollars in cash, the Starship Enterprise, and mm-hmm. all of the technology and crew therein, and James Gandolfini's personal cell phone number, circa two thousand six. Yep. Um, Within five hours, he must steal the manuscript and deliver it to Miranda Priestley, a.k.a. his boss at Runway. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mention this at first, but you get bonus points if you can also figure out a way to get her her Starbucks as well mm-hmm. that okay. she asked for. Great. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. One minute is on the clock starting now. Great. All right. So with that $30 cash, I'm going to put $20 in the tank 
to fill up the Starship Enterprise based on gas prices in 2006. It was about $1.57 if I remember. Uh, so I'm going to put 20 bucks in, fill it up. It's going to be great. I'm going to go ship. I'm going to jump in the ship, hop clear across uh, the, the space, uh, outer space, uh, for those of you who are not familiar. Just going to go out that way. Go to Klingon, <laughs> Klingon War Zone. I'm going to barter a, a, a peace treaty. I'm going to bring them back 30 with me. Bring them back with me. We're going to fly straight and like hover like menacingly uh, at J.K. Rowling's house and say, like, I have lasers, uh, you know, targeted on your your uh, location. If you don't give us the manuscript, she's obviously going to give it. And we're going to beam it up. We're going to beam, beam her up, too, because she wants to come. So now we have J.K. Rowling and that. So with the remaining $10, I'm going to swing by the local Starbucks, uh, do that. And then uh, in, the, in the final time, I'm just going to call James and say, hey, what's up, James? He'd be like, hey, how you doing? How you, how's it going? We're gonna have wow, that is time, and you did not do that how I thought you would, <laughs> which I don't know why that surprises me. I, I gave you the Starship Enterprise because it has um, teleportation technology, but no, you went immediately for let's threaten J.K. Rowling with death instead of teleporting into her room and stealing yeah. the manuscript. Um, I, I did love how you brought in, uh, the 2006 gas price. <laughs> um, very timely. Um, all in all, uh, you did it. Um, you had yeah. a great conversation with Gandolfini, even though you didn't even need it. Um, and you got the bonus points. You got Merrill or Starbucks. Um, yeah. wow. We did. That it was, that was impressive. Mm. Um, and you, you got all your points. I thank you. I'm very excited. Uh, Justin, what are your what are your final thoughts on 2006's The Devil Wears Prada? Would you recommend this to someone I, else? I would recommend. It is a, if nothing else, this is a really good look at the year 2006. This is the early 2000s in a bottle. Um, the the to the fashion, like general everyday fashion, right? To the the technology, to the haircuts, everything. Uh, this is just like a, a really nice thing. Um, it's a cautionary tale for sure. Uh, don't take your job too seriously because you will turn into the literal devil. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good flick. I feel complete and whole that I have partook in such a, um, you know, impactful movie to a community that's like that. That's important to me too. You know, um, I always felt kind of like left out and part and you know not a part of the conversation. Now I get the memes. Now I get to be a part of the memes and tweet mean things to people if i want and, and throw in a gif of, of meryl streep at the end this this episode is just the beginning we're gonna have to check back in in six months to see like how much of culture you can now take in and understand now that you've seen this movie <laughs> my cup run um, over oh so much uh thank you for unpacking this this 2006 um uh time capsule with yeah. me uh as as we were saying um i had a really good time watching Me this too. movie any excuse to watch it is great yeah um uh and I'm, I'm really glad i got to uh force you to watch it thank you um <laughs> yeah uh i love it um i could watch it again today if yeah I, I could too i could too now i can now be part of that um it, it can just be on in the background now in my house just because all right we've done it well that's we uh, did we did it. We did. We did the. Uh, we did the thing. So yeah. So that's been the uncultured cinematic universe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Justin. All right. See y'all. <laughs>